0: Press A button to activate spirit gloss mode.
1: We are two best friends who happen to be psychic mediums.
0: We do readings, we teach, we mentor, and we love to laugh.
1: Yeah, and you know what? We love to cry too, because we're heartstring pulling mother
0: truckers. Oh, ooh. Warning, this is rated E for explicit, so if you don't like the word fuck, you should probably turn your ass around.
1: Turn it around. Don't look back. Run. But if you're sticking around, it's time for another episode of I'm a Medium.
0: Ask me how. Data Willie.
1: Oh, Data Willie.
0: Matthew Tao, do you know who we have today?
1: Um. Yeah, I can tell you who we have. We have my sweet Patty. It's my Patty. No, no, no. no,
0: It's my sweet Patty.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's my Patty. And I'll push you over and fight you in the streets for it's it's my Patty. (laughs) But we have the legendary, the incomparable and the multifaceted Patty
0: Stovall.
2: Welcome Patty. Oh, thank you guys. I'm so happy to be
0: here. Well, for our listeners that may not know you, and I don't know who doesn't know the amazing Patty Stovall, but... For our listeners who don't, tell us tell our listeners a little bit about you.
2: Okay, well my name is Patty Stovall. I am a psychic medium spiritual teacher, and my specialty of course is to be a grief coach. Um, I have been doing this work for roughly about 20, oh God, 28 years. Um, My background is in mental health and substance abuse. Uh, I hold a bachelor's degree in um, psychology in specialty in addiction. And then I have an MBA and also in finance and marketing. So. yeah, I uh, have been doing this work for a long time. I love this work. Um, personally, I am was a mother of two. Um, I recently lost my daughter to a fentanyl poisoning, and I am a grandmother of four. Ooh. <laughs> but I look really young
0: still. So. Yes, you do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm just like, you're so young to have grandbabies. I don't understand. Yeah. yeah. So you you said you specialize in grief. Mm-hmm. And I think like anytime that I usually have somebody, and I have a little understanding of grief, but um uh, anytime that somebody has a really in-depth conversation, I always uh send them to you because I feel like you kind of just said it. It's your specialty. It's like kind of like what you understand. Can you tell people about like what that entails? Like what does that mean? Like a grief specialist. <laughs>
2: Well, it's interesting because um, some years ago, I was some, when I was kind of doing some training. We had to kind of pick a specialty area, and I've come from a background of addiction, and I've done a lot of my own work. And I knew that in this industry, it was so important to take time to do our own healing, and that it required us to really dig deep and do some grief work and. Grief isn't always the loss of somebody. Sometimes it's grieving, grieving our past or grieving our childhood or grieving maybe things that uh, we never got to do. And so I've done a lot of that work and I thought, well, this is something that I was noticing in others when I became kind of a spiritual teacher that wasn't being helped with other students and so i kind of zoned in on that area and plus uh you know i was having some difficulty with my daughter and um during that time and dealing with ambiguous grief because there's different types of grief and i can kind of touch on those in a little bit but um so I kind of started to do some studies with some other professionals on that type of, on on grief and really kind of studied it in depth and then tried to to teach others how important it was because we were dealing with, as a medium, people who had lost and are dealing with grief. Um, So grief isn't just when someone passes. There's a lot of, I learned that there was a lot of color to grief a lot of depth to grief but it really came from my own healing work that i really thought this is something that is not being touched on in the spiritual community
0: absolutely and you would think you would think as mediums we would be more well versed in it but you know i find um, especially as with working with developing mediums we're so focused on our connection with spirit that we forget that the whole purpose of doing this work is to connect with the person receiving the reading, right? Mm-hmm. And and the healing that happens between that soul to soul connection of the loved one who is crossed over, and the person uh, receiving the reading, and that there's a lot of grief being experienced in that, and and where is that person in their grief process, yeah. and you know, like I said, there's this focus on like, well, how do I get out of the way? Or how do I develop this Claire? Or how do I do this? That we forget delivery. We forget that this person is at uh, this certain place. Or what do we do when we do deliver this beautiful, amazing mediumship reading, but our client is in a place of despair after the reading, having resources for them and all Mm -hmm. of that. There's, there's a big hole missing in a lot of people's development because they don't have the, the proper grief training or the proper resources to give their, their sitters or their clients.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. Absolutely. And I've also found that um, as they're developing, they're often triggered In their own stuff so uh, they they're very excited about learning their clairs and then all of a sudden they start to get in and then something comes up that they may have from their own past could that be uh, an issue maybe of trauma or abuse or neglect that's something that they may not have resolved and this grief starts to rise and then that may shut them down this fear happens and those are things that need to be addressed and it gets scary that's when uh, as a teacher you have to be very observant of your students when something like that happens because you you may have to approach them and say you know what's happening is something coming up Um, because I've had some students that, that 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 has happened and you know we've had to talk about that and say, you know, these are things that you may have to go and take care of for yourself Mm -hmm. because it can get in the way of you learning. And I've had to have, that's happened to me. Well, we've seen that experience for myself when I lost my daughter, you know, I've had to step back for a good year, uh, because my grief of that pain and suffering stopped me from doing this work and it really did it scared me because I thought am I going to be able to ever read again am I ever going to be able to connect again in my psychological mind I knew that I could but the pain and suffering of grief scared me and and in that part of the brain thought you know I'm never going to be able to do this again
0: Mm mm-hmm
1: I love the fact that you pushed pause and you took a, I would say, Mm -hmm. take a selfish. You took a selfish to work on yourself and not bypass it because a Mm -hmm. lot of people don't take that time and they try to work through it. And then it becomes almost like a passenger in your life that's kind of driving. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of goes off course, right? Because we don't know where our grief can lead us. I think there's a lot Mm -hmm. of triggers in this work. And especially if you don't do the work on yourself mm-hmm. that it keeps coming up coming up coming up and it's almost like being re-traumatized every mm-hmm. single day because we're we're choosing not to look at i don't even want to say the worst part of us but the hurt part of us yes and we're not trying to embrace that and make ourselves more well-rounded by just taking care of ourselves mm-hmm. and i'm so i just want to commend you on saying you it's, it's brave. It's, bra- and I know a lot of people are like, that's not brave, but it really is brave to put something, especially that's a passion and that's a huge part of you on hold to work on yourself and, but also to hold space for what we're going through. So mm-hmm. first and foremost, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saying that.
2: Mm. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, and it's
0: <laughs> that personal development. We talk about it a lot And a lot of people that start their development journey with us um, are always shocked how much personal development gets wrapped up in that. And you kind of talked about that, Patty, is like how we start developing and we start doing mediumship and then something gets triggered in us. And, And it's beautiful in a way. And we have to honor the beauty that that does get triggered in us, right? Because it's something that that needs to be addressed and makes us a better, more whole human when we do address mm-hmm. the things that we need to address in ourselves. When when there is that personal thing that needs to be addressed or mm-hmm. healed or, or examined. Um, but that does happen in mediumship. Um, and we we always, Matt and I always joke around, if there's something going on in your life, it doesn't have to be as big of, uh, as grief. But let's say you're having... Um, a fight with your best friend over XYZ. XYZ is going to be happening in every single reading. You're going to see these themes pop, popping up in every single one of your readings because spirits like you got to deal with this. You got to deal with this. You got to deal with this. So there's a way of like your personal development right in line with spiritual development.
2: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Every it it will keep showing up and showing up until it gets healed. Mm -hmm. all the time. Always, always. Yes.
0: And it makes us better Mm -hmm. readers. It makes us better practitioners if we just do the work and show up. So what do we do? Because that's the question. Okay. So now we're doing the, we're showing up, we're working, we're doing all of that. And ouch, there's an ouchie that shows up. And Mm -hmm. it could be a grief thing. It could be a life thing or whatever. What do we do when it shows up? Right.
2: So some of the things I think that that I talk about are, you know, we say self-care. We talk about the number one thing, self-care. Well, that's great. But what is self-care? And, you know, um, it's not as easy as it sounds because, you know, self-care, when you break it down, is complex a little bit. Um, And it's different for everyone, because there's no right or wrong way in grief or really in any um, self-care practice, because we have to define what works for that individual. Um, And then, you know, in self-care, we talk about boundaries. A lot of times people struggle with boundaries, I know that I did. I struggled with boundaries in my life, especially growing up in a home that was addiction. We didn't learn how to say no. You know, learning how to say mm-hmm. no is was really difficult. There was a lot of guilt, shame around that for a long time. Um, so people, you know, really have to practice that. So, you know, really defining with your student or whomever you're working with or yourself is... Um, you know, finding where whatever works for you, some things could be, you know, um, we talk about in the brain, you know, when we're, our brain gets hijacked from grief, you know, our amygdala, it, you know, goes into that, uh, overdrive and that affects our heart and our, um, our blood pressure, you know, so meditation, breathing techniques are very good, especially for someone who has lost, uh, you know, a spouse or a child, because at nighttime, those thought processes continue over and over again. So, you know, maybe someone at nighttime like myself needs that meditation at nighttime because, You know, broken heart syndrome is a real thing. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of studies show that people who lose children can have heart attacks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, so, you know, finding things that work for you individually are important. Number one thing, too, like Matt said, taking that time out, stepping back when you need to, because waves of grief or not even just grief, but when you're dealing with something, you need to step back and reevaluate what that is for yourself. And, um, you know, take that time to process. Sometimes I take a couple days away and I'll stay in bed and watch trashy TV. <laughs> I need mean, junk food, you know what I mean? I was like, I need to cry and write anger letters and whatever that is, because I need time to self-care you know and then one of the things that i work with clients that i think is important and i think is good for everyone is when and i know dana you talk about this too so when we're in depression we're in the past and all of us who are deal with anything we always go there You know, I do, I still do, you know, I think about the past with my child, what I could have done, you know, things that happened, and we're in the state of anxiety, we're in the future, we're worried about what we could, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow, or what, what I'm going to miss with her. And so challenging our thought process, asking ourselves, where are we? You know because when we're in that present moment is when we're most grounded so wow. how do we get to that place how can we get to that specific place today in this present moment you know there are some things that i work with clients where i tell them to get a hula hoop you know get a hula hoop in your home and go stand in that hula hoop that's your boundaries that's your present moment and how can you get there and ask yourself Where are you? Are you in the future? Are you in the past? And how can you get to that place? And put things in that space that can bring you back here. What are you grateful for? Can you dance in that space? Can you clean house in that space? Can you, you know, go for a walk. Can you get outside? Can you get in nature? Do things to bring you back to this present moment, call a friend, you know, what a, just come back to the, the present moment, not to say that you shouldn't process your past or you you know, things around your anxiety. Sometimes you need to see a clinician or a counselor. Mm-hmm. If it gets to this prolonged grief, which is clinical kind of grief, um, but trying to get yourself back to that challenging your thought process. And then of course, getting that support, finding your tribe, finding people Mm -hmm. who will understand you in your grief because they'll never walk your grief. It's very personal, but finding those people that will understand you.
1: Hey, uh, Patty, I know for a lot of people, grief makes you numb, right? Mm -hmm. And, And so it kind of makes us so we're not emotionally intelligent for us to actually be very grounded in the moment, because I feel like we don't know what we're feeling. And just so uh, for our listeners who don't kind of understand the stages of grief or the processes of grief, do you mind breaking those down for our listeners? So that way they, maybe if they're going through grief, they can understand where they might pinpoint themselves in this moment to help ground them.
2: Okay. so. I might not be the right person to talk about stages of grief because I don't Mm -hmm. really agree with stages of grief. I believe they're kind of more cycles of grief. um, Yeah. And we move through them in and out. And I know from my own personal studies of research, particularly like parents, um, one of the studies that I had done through the health and general neuroscience that 94% of parents who lose a child grieve forever. Um, but as they develop through their grief or go through their grief, they build their life around grief. So, uh, I have a kind of a different sense of that, but, you know, grief and it really is, part of our brain and so that you know we have this shock the initial shock Mm -hmm. of grief and from my own experience yeah I had a shock where I lost any sense of what's happening around me and so this is part of the stages you know you have that initial shock and then you kind of move through this um like denial like is this really happening to me I, I can't believe this happens to me and and then generally there's this sense of anger that comes at some point you know and you move kind of in and out sometimes you can move through them all in one day mm-hmm. um you know and then there's this bargaining like i wish this wasn't happening to me or uh i can i have them back you know and then this there is this 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 last stage of acceptance, and to me, I don't really understand the acceptance. More of it is finding some meaning around it, you know. Um, yeah. And I think that uh, that to me is something you just move through the rest of your life. And there's always these triggers that come up. And I think that just comes with that processing in your brain, trying to understand things, trying to process things. Um, you know, I, I saw a friend of hers and it triggered all types of emotion. And then I went right back into kind of a shock feeling like remembering the call. When I had COVID, I had to I I didn't want to go to the hospital because I knew that I would have to walk that hall to see where she died. And it took me right back into that shocking moment one, 16 months ago. So it can take you right back to the beginning of when you had the loss. So I think you just kind of move fluently through in and out, um, from some of the things that I've been through with like David Kessler, who is a really a big grief count, you know, coach in this world. Uh, he says the first two years are the toughest. Um, you know, they, everyone has a different opinion on those stages. Mm-hmm. I think they were really created from a nursing perspective, but, um, but, yeah. All emotion happens mm-hmm. <laughs> at all times. I love
1: that. All happens. I love that that you said it cycles. And I actually really like that as well because mm-hmm. you know what? It's almost like returning. And you can be multiple parts of that. You can be a mixture of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of people when they have uh, grief, they don't know where they fit. And some right. they can feel really lonely and it can be like nobody understands this roller coaster that I'm going through and how it's affecting you. I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much for clarifying. Yeah, that.
0: I also feel like a lot of people feel like they're backsliding. You know, if they have a bad day like mm-hmm. oh, I've I've had like I'm I'm making some great progress and then they have something like what you had mentioned, you know, you you had covid, Patty, and then having to go back to the hospital and getting triggered back into, you know, a, a really bad Bad emotional state, and you're like, oh, I'm right back where I started. And and I think people have to remember that you know things like that, or holidays, or anniversaries, or sometimes even like a song coming on the radio or a scent can put us right back. And that's the brain, right? The brain is amazingly powerful at bringing us right back into those places. And we're always going to miss those people. And I don't think that grief is something that. You know, everybody's like, when, when is the grief over? I don't think grief is ever really gone. It changes. Right. Correct. Well, it changes us. Mm-hmm. It changes. The loss changes us.
2: And I think we, we have to rebuild our life around that person because we love them so much. It's part of us that kind of dies off with them. And so I think some of the people that I've learned to work with, when they're told that, when they understand what's happening to them, it's kind of like a relief. Because I think when they understand, like, there's five stages of grief, is this going to be over? And when they're told it's never over, they're like, Oh, okay, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a relief. And then Mm -hmm. when we learn, you know, we teach, I teach them a little bit about the brain, like what's happening in their thought process. You know, they get, this part of that, you know, the brain, the grief fog, we talk about the grief fog and because they, we forget things, you know, you get that forgetfulness that happens in the limbic system and part of the brain and that, uh, that prefrontal cortex where we can't like remember things, you know, kind of like a teenager, it all goes away kind of thing, (laughs) you know, and then that Mm -hmm. fight or flight feeling you get you know because in the initial stage that's what gets taken over you know we it's it's our protective system mm-hmm. you know that shock especially if it's traumatic and then you know i talk about each type of grief because there's different types of grief you know we have uh ant- anticipatory grief we have um We have ambiguous grief where we're grieving someone who's living. I've dealt with that. And that's a tough type of grief to deal with. And we have collective grief, which we all deal with when we have a catastrophe in our country. And we don't, people don't know what that really is, but we have that anxiety everybody feels when when something happens around us. So um, we, we learn about the different types of grief. So people can kind of, feel like oh I'm not crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm yeah. not crazy what I'm feeling is okay and we learn that grief is very personal and sacred this is mine mm-hmm. this is my grief because even in a group let's say I told someone who loses a spouse you can go stand in a room with a bunch of people who lose a spouse everyone will understand you but your grief is personal. It's yours. And it's sacred. And it's special. And it's your love. And when someone understands that, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. To me, that's beautiful. And and mm-hmm. then they can really process that in a different light. To me, I think that's something different than feeling like nobody's there for me. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares for me. Everything is out external. No, they can go within and learn how to heal that. I think that's a different type of healing for grief.
0: Yeah. I like what you just said there. Cause I think, you know, we, we compare our journeys a lot, mm-hmm. you know, and we might have lost somebody and, and somebody similar may have lost somebody similar in their life. And we could look at them and be like, well, they're doing so good. Why are they doing so good? And I'm struggling the way that I am. And knowing that each of our paths is unique and just, but, but, each individual person is unique and each individual situation is unique. And, you know, you had talked about different types of grief. So, you know, if there was anticipatory grief, you know, this this person was suffering with cancer and you knew mm-hmm. that they were going to be dying and 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 they were under hospice care and there was all of this going on and then they passed away there's There's different layers of grief that goes on and and mm-hmm. then there's the um the other thing where you know sometimes people aren't even allowed to process their grief because of trauma or things that are going on. you know maybe there's great financial pressure going on at the time of somebody's passing, and you're just trying to figure out how to make funeral plans, how to mm-hmm. get uh you know if it's a spouse or somebody that dies how am i going to get the kids raised or how am i going to do this that you're not even you can't even focus on yourself for a while so wow. grief might take a back seat for a while and then yes. all of a sudden it's like oh here you are i know for me personally one of my biggest um grief parts was i lost my dad when i was 11 and i never was allowed to grieve him mm. and it was just like okay we're just going <laughs> and yeah. then at at about the age of 38, it, it came to roost finally. And I remember sitting in therapy and I was like, I feel really stupid talking about this. And the therapist said, well, when did you ever grieve him? And I was like, well, but I should be over it. And he's like, but when did you ever grieve him? Right. And so it's like, either you do it now or you do it later, but you got to do it. And so I think, you know, there's so many, so many of us out there that didn't process it, and again right. with mediumship development, that that will come to roost, right? right. <laughs> so when we've been hiding it away, hiding it away, and we start developing this, it's it shows up.
2: Yeah, and it's it's a, that's a very good point because when we also talk about like if we don't do it, we well, we'll how you know, you it gets internalized, and that sometimes can show up in health problems Mm -hmm. it can Mm -hmm. show up in uh relationship issues it can show up in other ways in your life and if you have a lot of these issues that are happening around you sometimes those are unresolved issues that haven't been worked out and uh you know we see it all the time Mm -hmm. all the time
1: yeah and it's hard because then it becomes layered and -hmm. you don't know where to start and it it really kind of makes it so you don't know like going back to like uh, emotional bypassing like you've bypassed it it's now created multiple problems and so Mm -hmm. then in turn you're not only having to fix your grief you're having to fix layers and layers Mm -hmm. and layers of things Mm -hmm. so um I, I saw a beautiful diagram, and uh, you had mentioned something that really kind of struck my interest. Where it, it's saying that grief doesn't go away, right? And we learned how to embrace grief. And it was in a diagram of like four different sized glass jars, but the grief was the si- same size ball in every single jar. Mm-hmm. Of just learning what, and I and I don't really like the word acceptance because I don't think we ever accept that somebody's gone, mm-hmm. but creating a new normal a new normal around where the grief would be. Can you talk about like your experience as uh, somebody that's had a recent loss of what it's like for you to get to a new normal for yourself?
2: Hmm. I'm still working on that. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Well, I think that, you know, finding that being in that present moment is really important because sometimes getting if being in the past in the future uh is dangerous for me uh if i'm there Mm -hmm. too long so working on things that find meaning in my life like turning my pain into some purpose um and also making sure that i'm checking in with myself self-care is critical um, you know, because I'm working with clients and I'm, you know, working with people, and that's very important. And I, you know, one of the things that I, did, my very first mentor said to me, you can only take your clients and people as far as you are in your life. And so, training is critical. I cannot, to me, I am if if I'm not taking care of myself in a professional manner, then I'm not going to do work. And so. Even when I went, before I went back to work with um, clients, I went back and did some circles and some training because I felt like I better just do a few to check to make sure that I am connected well. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I did some classes and I did some things that I needed to do to make sure that I was in a good place. And I think it's important. I don't care if I'm doing this work 50 years. I think it's important that we continue to grow and keep moving forward because I can't take students. I can't take people as far as we are. So I th- I think that's critically important as well, personally and professionally to to make sure that I'm checking in on a regular basis and taking care of myself. Um, So, yeah, I just, I think that's one of the things that's critical.
1: I love that Patty. Um, I think we've kind of touched base on the things around grief. I think what a lot of people struggle with is not that being the person that has lost somebody, but supporting somebody that's going through grief. Mm. And I feel like that's where a lot of people feel really disempowered because our words can only carry so much, right? There's so many, I'm sorry's that this person's hearing or, oh, if you ever need anything, call me. I mean, that person probably doesn't know up from down. And so a lot of, I know when I had lost my uh, dad, you were it was just words. Like all I could hear was words and I couldn't hear the meaning of it. What are some really great ways to help empower and support somebody that's going through grief
2: yeah yeah i i that's probably one of the most important things i think that we to touch on so when um when I lost one of the things that people say all the time is call me if you need anything I think that's one of the things that you don't want to say to somebody um, because that person will never call because they don't know what they need especially in the early stages of grief uh, they're so in shock and they really don't their brain can't process so doing things such as maybe bringing a meal and dropping it off, or just being present, asking if you can just sit there. Uh, I had some people just come sit in my house um, and didn't talk at all, Um, just came and sat. I was in my bedroom, I was sleeping, and I was alone, but they were in my house, and that made me feel some contentment. Um, I had people just drop off a meal. So that was very, uh, that made me feel good in the beginning. Um, And then a lot of people disappeared. And I think that really was not so much about um, me. I felt like it was more about their ability not to understand grief or understand me. Uh, I still have a lot of people that aren't don't understand grief at all and are afraid of grief and um so I think that's really it and I also feel like just listening it doesn't I don't think you need to fix anyone it's more just about listening to someone process um just being there Mm -hmm. you know um and just doing it's more about just doing uh even when someone isn't feeling well when i was sick someone brought a meal you know um i think that's the thing in our human race that we forget when someone is struggling just to just do it (laughs) just do Mm -hmm. it um because other people don't really know in their struggle or trauma or grief or having a difficult time just to do something i think
0: yeah yeah i feel like people always show up for the funeral like we were but as soon as the funeral mm-hmm. is over everybody likes and it's not it's not because people have a mean heart or anything but it's it's off their head right after the funeral people kind of it, it becomes very quiet And I think after the funeral is actually when people need to hear from everybody the most. So I always like try when, when I know that somebody's lost somebody, I like try to put reminders in my phone, like just Mm. check, just check Mm. in, you know, or if you see a funny meme, you know, even of just like sending them something, just even a touchstone of like a phone call, a touchstone let's go out to have lunch, let's do whatever. And if they wanna talk about it, having space to talk about it, but also just to be there and be present. Cause I feel I, I feel like you the same way, Patty, is people are afraid to talk about death. And I think in our society as a whole, people don't wanna talk about if you're dying or dead or died. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and And people are uncomfortable around that all around. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you are the one in grief, you feel very lonely. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. even just having somebody showing up and sending you a funny meme sometimes can be enough to like switch your day around a little bit. And just knowing that you're on somebody's mind, it's amazing how that can shift your perspective sometimes.
2: I, I agree. Totally. Yeah, I agree. I did have some people that did show up after and, um, got in those trenches with me and it was very helpful um but yeah you're right it is it's tough for people to um talk about grief and still even to continue to support you know that effort and speak her name Mm
1: -hmm. I think also uh, what's really good is respecting their boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes we get a little too like fragile, like you're fragile and I just need to like do everything for you that like listening to them and saying like, Hey, would you like me to come over and clean for you? Or would you like me to do this? And if they say no, Mm -hmm. respect that. No, I think what uh, was really hard uh, in my family is people would just show up and do things. Mm. And, um, and understanding that people are still people and we all still have our, the way that we like to run our life mm-hmm. and respecting the boundaries of the person that's also uh, lost somebody that just because they're hurting doesn't mean that their personality trait shifts in a way yep. that they aren't still who they are. You know, right. I think that's what really offended me uh, when, you know, treating me as if I was this fragile piece of glass. I'm hurting, but I'm not broken and right. completely. And you don't need to glue me back together, but just be there and just understand. Um, and and people get weird when people and and the reason why I'm saying weird is people do weird and unusual things when people pass away. Oh, like I've noticed that people either get really ugly or really super supportive, and there's nowhere in between. And mm-hmm. um, because they, they we're either afraid of death or we're we're not right. Right. so um yeah and just meet meet somebody where they're at and then hold space for where they're at because it's going to shift in two minutes yes. and you're going to have to learn to dance
2: oh that's a good that's a good one learn to dance that's right that's good mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. very true very very true
1: i was going to ask you what's something that you should not say to somebody that's craving just just what you should not say and what can you say to somebody that's grieving that's going to end up being a little bit easier for them to hear? Um, well,
2: some of the things that I've experienced from others is uh, because most of the people I know have just disappeared.
1: <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. um, but some of the other things that I've heard are um, it's time for you to get over this mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, don't you think that you should start dating somebody else? Um, uh, it's been long enough. Um, that's, that's a very big one. They put people, other people put time constraints on your grief. Um, and I've had to help people undo that because they feel so stuck. In that, mm-hmm. uh, and they they don't even have the ability to say no to those people because it's family members or because yeah. other people are very uncomfortable around that.
1: Um, can I add one to that? Mm-hmm. I miss the I miss the old you. Oh yes, yes, that's yeah. that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So what what's some stuff that they can say to help support somebody through grief? That's going because I think a lot of people. We don't know what to say. We don't know what to say. And sometimes it's nothing, but what's some stuff that they can say that can help know that the person that's grieving knows that they're there to support
2: them? Mm-hmm. Some of the things that people have said was, I understand. Um, I understand. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry is OK. Sometimes the little things just like that. Um, Here's another thing is if you are struggling, uh, don't give me your story too. Just, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like uh, I have lost a child, but if somebody has lost a child or lost someone, I will just say that I'm sorry for your loss. I won't say I lost my child too. And I did. it. You know what I mean? I won't give my whole story. Um, about me only so i you know i'm very empathetic to someone else um but i won't go into such detail that it's about me too so you know i it's important because yeah i think it's important that you you care about the other person uh, even if you're struggling too um and i I've, i've seen that a lot um uh, some things you can just say are, I'm here if you need me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm here if you need me. I just yeah. sometimes say that to people.
1: That was, um, that was beautiful.
2: Sometimes I love listen, you listen. Yeah. I care about Aww. you. Sometimes it's just the basics.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes, sometimes you know, listening more sometimes than talking.
2: Talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes it. it's just those, you know, I care about you. I'm here. You know, I love you. I care about you. I think that's my very basic words all the time is I send you love. I care about you.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love you know, it. Thank, people you, Thank that you,
2: and Or it's okay. Um, you know, people need to know that it's okay. Um, wherever you're at, it's okay. Um, they need to know that too, because sometimes they, some people think they're going crazy and you're not going crazy. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, one of the things I always want people to know, wherever you're at in your journey, that's right where you need to be. Um, and, you know, I think in all aspects, if anything comes out of this podcast, even with students or, or anyone who's grieving, wherever you're at in your journey is right where you need to be. And so, you know, that's where you move forward from, wherever you need to be in this present moment.
0: mm and it's about being it, it it's about being present in the moment present. as much as we can present
2: in this present moment,
0: yes, mm-hmm. that's right where you need to be well, speaking of uh speaking her name let's speak let's speak about Sarah and because you have a beautiful organization that you built i do I do, yes, so it's called Sounds of Sarah, and
2: uh, it is to raise awareness it's well it uh to raise awareness and prevention and education around uh overdose and illicit drug uh prevention uh so uh it's been in existence now for almost 6 months can't believe that crazy right it is a 501c3 um and we are having our first big fundraiser on May 13th. We are doing a walk. I'm very super excited about that. I have a fabulous board, thank God, (laughs) that is uh, supporting that event. But uh, we also are uh, registered through our state Department of Health to distribute Narcan, which has been one of our biggest adventures because our county is short on that. And I've been out pushing that for individuals. So um, I'm really proud of that, especially that area of work in the organization. Um, So...
1: Where can they donate if they wanted to donate to uh, help support Sounds of Sarah?
2: Yeah, they can go to soundsofsarah.org. We have a button on there that you can make a donation if you'd like. Um, but her story's on there, and the the little butterfly meaning of her logo is on there as well. And uh, everything else that we do is getting updated. I just got certified through a program for students in the school, uh, research-based programs. So we'll hopefully start pushing to get some, uh,
0: education in the school systems and which is great. That's
1: amazing. So it's good. That's good. amazing.
0: Yeah. Patty, awesome. you are just such an amazing human and we, we truly do. We love you with all of our heart, but thank you for yes. all that you do. I mean, we love you as a friend. Um, but we, we love you for everything that you do for our community and for, um, and what you're doing with educating the public, um, and really taking your pain and making purpose of it is, is just, it's, it's been amazing to watch you create what you've created, um, through all of this. And, you know, we never want anybody to go through what you've had to go through, but you've created something so beautiful, something so beautiful. And I know Sarah is so proud of you. And I just, mm-hmm. I want to honor you and just thank you for, for taking your time. Cause I know number one, people felt less alone by hearing your words today. Yeah. Um, they felt heard and they felt honored in their grief process and learned something today. So I, I just want to thank you so much for coming on and we just love you to death.
2: Mm, thank you for having me I, i appreciate that so much i love you both very much
1: i love you so much and ladies and gentlemen patty's a fire medium a fire fire medium now are you currently booking as well are you currently uh, taking bookings
2: oh, i'm so booked
1: <laughs> i'm pretty okay. much a year but, ago <laughs> well, wait list wait list so you can go to yeah, what you is your website in case for that <laughs> thank you yes get on her wait list because you know what good people are worth the wait and patty is definitely worth the wait because she takes care yeah, of yeah i was reading all day yesterday
2: family. that's where i was so
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. I don't know Good. how I I'm, do it really, to be quite honest. I um, had well I had over a hundred clients to catch up with from last year. Oh.
1: <laughs> so get on our wait list. And if Patty, you know, Patty will read you if Patty read you, but just go phenomenal, phenomenal. And you're also a teacher as well. And so yeah. I know you go to pattystovall.com Uh any classes that you And that takes care of my you school there. I'll mm-hmm. take you to my Beautiful. 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 Well, Patty, I love you deeply. Dana loves you deeply. Is there anything else that you want to add?
2: No, I love you guys very much and and I do want to say I am so proud of both of you for your for your uh, business and your podcast and all that you guys do for the community and to help others and uh, just so much luck and. In- everything that you do and thank you thank you from the bottom of my heart for everything
1: i love you patty we love you patty. okay we're gonna I got, we're gonna wrap this up before i start bawling so i love you all you're in our hearts do something nice for somebody and dana take it away, take it away. Take it away. you are the
0: light of a hundred thousand patty Stoveballs.
1: <laughs> that's a
0: lot of light that's, that's, a, that's lot a lot, of, lot light. of light we love you guys <laughs> bye Bye.